Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where we had a lady in our church who used to fly a lot for business needs. And she would take her Bible and she'd read her Bible on the flight to help calm her nerves. And one day she was riding on this plane. It was a little bit bumpy and she was sitting there reading her Bible and this businessman looks over and kind of smirks and goes back to what he's doing. And then a little bit later he says, do you really believe that stuff in that Bible? And the lady says, oh, of course I do. And he said, well, what about that guy that was swallowed by a whale? And she replied, oh, Jonah, yes, I believe that. It's in the Bible. And he asked, well, how do you suppose he survived all that time inside the whale? The lady said, well, I don't really know. I guess it's when I get to heaven, I will ask him. And the guy looked at her and says, well, what if he isn't in heaven? And he, he said it kind of sarcastically. Then she turned to him and says, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice on Calvary, and we look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that Your Holy Spirit will anoint us and open our minds to receive Your revelation, that we will speak Your truth directly from Your heart to the hearts of those who are listening to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is The Starlings of God. Hi, Christy. How you doing? I'm happy and well-adjusted, so I hear it's almost like this thing that happens when you get into round town, yeah, you know, everything really kind of evens out, you know, yeah. and you just kind of be at peace with the universe. So yeah. It's a great place <laughs> to live. Today, we're going to talk about the starlings of God. And for many people, they know what starlings are. Starlings are a very small bird. And sometimes you see them in a big flock and they look like this mass of free flowing energy in the clouds. They're little blackbirds. And they flow together. They make amazing shapes. If you've ever watched it, you can go to YouTube and look it up. The amazing thing that there's thousands of these birds in one flock, and they're just going every which way, but they never hit each other. It's like this invisible force is leading them all and keeping track of all of them. And they're all in perfect unity and perfect sync. And they just flow and ebb as they feel. And nobody ever gets in anybody else's way. And we wanted to talk about how the perfected body of Christ is exactly like those starlings. What do you think, Christy? Yeah, it's really a beautiful thing to watch. And I love that idea because the goal that God has for us is to get into his flow and to move as he leads us moment by moment. And it's not something that is created by our natural-minded thinking. It's something that is created when we allow our spirits to relax into the spirit of God and we just go as he leads us. Sometimes it's not even a conscious thought. It's just like you end up at a certain place and you're there at the perfect time for whatever God wants to accomplish. And what I love about 
what you just explained about the starlings is that they don't bump into each other. There's no confusion. It's very intuitive as they just flow and they change positions sometimes and create a different shape. But it's always very connected as one group made up of individuals. And that's a very good analogy of how God is moving on this earth at this time. It's not groups of clumps of people in different churches. It's people all over the world as individuals listening to the voice of God, listening to the Holy Spirit as he directs them. And that one little starling probably doesn't realize how beautiful they're making the entire picture. But from the earth, as we look up, we can see what a beautiful picture they're creating. That's how we are. We don't often know our part in the bigger picture of God. But if we follow the Spirit's leading and move as he leads us, we fit into that picture of the entire body of Christ as the Holy Spirit's moving around the earth and we're creating something beautiful that's beyond our understanding and comprehension. Exactly. You know, people look at animals and they often talk about instinctual responses. You know, it's by instinct. Is this something they know? Something that's in them from generations and generations of their species. What if it's more of a God thing? Mm -hmm. What if it's a God thing that made that animal like that and they're connected to God and they act instinctively like that? Pandas instinctively will seek out humans if they're sick. That's an instinctive response that they have. Now, a lot of the animals have instinctive responses that are not so good. But we live in a fallen world. What if in the garden those animals had instincts that were good, had an instinctive response to Adam, where they trusted Adam, where they felt comfortable around Adam, and they didn't fear man? You know, we have an instinct also, an inborn instinct. It's an instinct to seek God and to connect with the Holy Spirit. A lot of us don't really know from what we feel what that is or how to go about it, but we do have this instinctive thing that we want to worship God. We want to know our Creator. And as starlings of God, when you open up to His Holy Spirit, you start to flow in that instinctive response to Him. And you want to worship him, you want to adore him, you want to be next to him and be filled with him. And you start to move, not through study, not through your natural mind, not through even God verbally talking. You just feel to do a certain thing. It's so subtle sometimes you don't even notice it, but you find yourself doing things that add up to God. And what God is doing in the tabernacle movement is he's bringing us back to the garden. He's bringing us back to a place of innocence, back to a place of total trust, back to a place of unity with him so that we will move as one, yet we will not overlap anyone. We will not bump into anyone. When God wants to turn to a certain direction, we will all turn. Not because somebody in a pulpit says so, but because we feel to in our spirits. And we just naturally go that way. And that way, God can direct his body. If there's a problem coming up in a certain place, he'll just direct everybody to leave. When Paul was in Antioch, the prophet Agabus signified by the Spirit that there would be a famine in Jerusalem. And so they just took an offering there and got it ready and sent it to him. So when the famine came, the money was there. And that's how the Holy Spirit is going to connect with everybody in the body of Christ. We're all going to move as one. And when one part of the body of Christ needs something more, the other parts will go around it and support it. And as the starling of God, we move by his spirit. It doesn't look like we have any main branch. We don't all say we're of one denomination. We just all say we're of one God. 
That's right. And that's the whole point, is that God is the leader. God is the head. The starlings are following because they have an internal guidance system that shows them where they, in particular, need to be. And that's what we need, too. We can't be in a position where we have to go check what we believe God wants us to do with our pastor and our deacon board and make sure that everybody's on board. And we also, a lot of times, don't have time to go into our prayer closet and seek out God and say, what do you want me to do? We need to be connected to God internally with our internal guidance system connected to Him to be led moment by moment to do what He needs us to do. There's times that God will ask us to move in such a quick way that we don't have time for preparation. We don't have time for consternation. We don't have time to consider. We have to be connected to Him always so we can flow as He wants us to flow. And it's very important because God is moving in the earth now in a way that we've not really seen Him do before, where He is connecting with individuals and He is working through one particular person something for the very particular place and time that they are at. And if you are listening to this podcast, you are one of those that God has chosen to be part of this flock. And he has a very specific work for you to do. He has a very specific time that he has called you to. And he has put you in a very specific place to interact with the very specific people that you are surrounded by because he wants to flow through you to do the work of God where you are at. That's how we move. We're not all in one location, but we're all spread out throughout the globe, wherever God leads us to be, not even realizing that we're flowing together. That's what's so beautiful about it. You may be experiencing something in God and following his lead, and you find out later that people across the world are experiencing the same type of prompting of the Spirit and doing a similar work or something that works in conjunction with what you're doing. The point is that God is the creator of what he is doing. God is making this beautiful tapestry, and we're each a thread involved in it. Exactly. And as we work together, we create a beautiful picture that from our perspective, we can't see the fullness of. Exactly. And you like to work with materials that are the best, materials that really are suited for what you're doing. So if you're a starling, you want to be the best individual starling you can be. And then you want to yield to the master of the starlings. And then you fit in. See, right now, the body of Christ is in chaos. We're all bifurcated, trifurcated, you know, we're cated everywhere because we're divided by doctrine. And while people think that doctrine is salvation, doctrine is not salvation. Doctrine is division. Experience of one God personally is unity. Because if you know God, the other person who knows God will agree with you without having to go to an ecumenical movement. You'll just say, well, yeah, I know that guy and he's that way. And you'll agree based on your experience, not based on your doctrine. We don't understand really what the Bible is. The Bible to many is basically a rule book that God gave to mankind that if you kept the rules, then you'd be pleasing to him. Mm. Now, in the New Testament, we say it's more by grace, but it's really devolved into another law. And what we have going on right now is people are trying to keep rules instead of knowing the rule maker. And our rules have become solidified into dogma to where the rule maker can't tell us to do something that we don't think is right because we have our rules. We have our dogma. We have our denominational doctrine. And our theology is dividing us. Our theology is keeping us in a theological straitjacket, so we cannot move as the Holy Spirit desires. Because God is always moving forward, and you have to keep up with him. And if you don't, then you get left behind. We are stuck 
in mud of our own creation. We are stuck in quicksand that we've produced, that we can't get out of because we can't look at anything a different way. The way that we think is prescribed down to the letter in most denominations. And you must believe that way in order to be part of that group. And if you are part of that group, you can't be part of another group. The way through this quicksand that we're in is to say no to quicksand. We have to say no to mud. And that mud is doctrine, and mud is theology. We are coming into an experiential Christianity, a Christianity that, in fact, was the norm during the first century. Mm -hmm. They knew God through their experience with God. They had no Old Testament scriptures to really tell them what was going on right then. When the person came and asked them to come and witness to Gentiles, Peter had to decide that the vision he had just seen meant that God was going to open up the way to Gentiles too. No chapter and verse in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament for that. In fact, it seemed contrary to what the Old Testament taught. So that was a really difficult thing. Exactly. That's why we have to be sensitive to the Spirit, because God is doing something on this earth. He always has been. But even just looking throughout Scripture, the way that God moved and where He dwelt and the way that He got things accomplished evolved through time and changed as He accomplished His purposes. When he called Abraham and was going to make Abraham into a great nation, Abraham was able to connect with Melchizedek, who was not a Jew, and still be able to be called righteous. And his relationship with God was solidified and had the stamp of approval of God because of his faith. It was a complete work by faith, and it was meant to go to the entire world. Then God called out a people for himself, and he gave them laws to be able to make them righteous to him. And when he wanted to meet with his people, he started with the tabernacle in the wilderness. But when the temple was built, he no longer dwelt in the tabernacle. He dwelt in the temple. But then when Jesus came, he dwelt in Jesus. So he was no longer in the temple. Then when Jesus went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came, now he dwells in his people. We can't stick to the old way of doing things if God is moving on. Because those who are sitting in the temple in Jerusalem missed God as he came to Jesus, if they were not sensitive to what God was doing. If we're so stuck on the way God did things before, we will miss where he's going, and you don't want to be away from God. The way that you cannot miss what God is doing is to connect with him through your spirit, connect to his spirit, and follow his lead as he leads you. What if Peter had checked that vision with all of the Old Testament doctrine that he knew and was able to sort through it and say, no, this can't be because of this, and this can't be because of this, and, you know, God saying, don't call anything that I have made unclean. Well, the Bible says clearly that this was unclean. So was God changing his mind? No, God was moving on to the next step of what he was doing. And Peter was not in error, and he was not in sin by discarding the doctrine of Judaism and accepting what God was doing by his spirit. The only way he could have received that was through the spirit. He received a vision from God through the spirit of God because he was connected to God. And it allowed the gospel of Jesus Christ to spread to the entire world, including Gentiles. What if Peter had not allowed that. God would have moved on to somebody else. God is going to get done what he wants to get done. But we want to be the people that hear God and move according to what he's doing, even if it's different than what we've been taught before, even if it goes against things that we were told were right and wrong, because God is up to something. And what he's up to is speaking to his people and moving us as a flock of birds to accomplish his purposes on this earth. Exactly. You know, God says, consider the ant, how industrious they are. And what makes an ant, which is very tiny, Effective is their organization, 
they all flow together towards a common goal. Now, the common goals are pretty simplistic, but God says that you should consider the ant and how industrious they work, and they work together. And the body of Christ needs to work together. We need to be the starlings of God in order to accomplish his will, because just one of us is very small. But when you get a couple billion of us together, we can do something pretty mighty. Mm -hmm. If we are organized, if we are led by the Spirit, if we yield as a whole flock of starlings, we can be beautiful. We can be effective as the ant. We can move things that are many times our size. And God wants to put us together, but he doesn't want us to be put together as man thinks. He wants us to be put together as he desires. And what does that mean? Well, that means that we should be connected as God leads to other individuals within the body of Christ. Now, this individual may be your next door neighbor, or it may be somebody halfway across the world. But the point is, is that it needs to be a connection that God forms, and not one that we just do out of convenience or out of common doctrine or social status or any of these other categories that we use to measure whether we should be with somebody. It should be just simply that God connects us. And how do you know he connects us? Well, you look into their eyes and you see if God's connecting you. You'll feel it in your belly. You'll feel it in your mind. You'll feel it in your heart. You'll look at their eyes and you'll see God looking back. And this is how the body is fitly joined together. It's a spiritual experience. It's not a common doctrine. It's not somebody says, well, you and you should be together. No, it's something that God does. Just like God brought Eve to Adam, God wants to connect the whole body of Christ specifically to other individuals. He wants to reorganize the whole of Christendom so that it reflects him and it becomes a bride fitly adorned to be his queen basically. Mm. You know, mankind was formed in the beginning because God wanted to have children. What do you want to do if you want more of you? Well, you create mankind a little lower than the angels, and you create them male and female, and you give them the ability to procreate. And where two or three are gathered, there God is in the midst. And so while they're procreating, God is creating spirits, and they together become the children of God. And God wanted children. I mean, it's the point of creation. It's the commonality in all of creation that male and female procreate. And they come together, and out of them, they become one flesh. And God wanted to become one flesh and one spirit in a new creation. And so he is in our midst, procreating himself through the only way that he could do it. And you need to be a starling of God so that you can produce more starlings of God. You need to bring forth after God's kind so that God's children can fill the earth. And so, you know, to be a starling of God means you yield. There's no resistance. You're one starling, but you just flow. And when you flow in God, God can reconstitute his body on earth so that we as one can flow we can witness as God wants us to witness, when he wants us to witness. We'll be in the position mm -hmm. that God wants us to be. Yeah. We'll have the access to the people that God wants us to have access to. That's right. And it becomes an effortless thing. You know, we think everything has to be so premeditated and so consternated over. When you are with a spiritual connection, it's like a microcosm, a small part of this bigger flock of starlings that God is doing. And you find that you just flow together at the right time in the right place. It's interesting because when Michael and I go into a store, even if it's a huge store, Walmart Supercenter, 
we don't ever have to say, I'll meet you back here at this time. If we go separate ways, we always end up back together. Just naturally flow. It's like a magnet that actually pulls back together. I don't think about it. He doesn't think about it. We go do what we have to do. We follow where we feel to go, and then we end up coming back together. That is a picture of how God wants to flow as the body of Christ. And it makes me chuckle every time because I never have to think about, well, am I going to find him? And what time am I going to meet him? And where is he going to be in the store? The store is huge. I just follow the flow that is deep within me, that still small voice. And when I turn a corner, there he is. We always come back together. That's exactly how God wants the body of Christ to flow. We know when we need to connect. We know who we're supposed to connect with. God puts us there together at the right place at the right time. And as we move and flow through the earth, God is accomplishing his bigger picture, even though we can't see what it is. It's not a work of striving. It's not having to really work to accomplish what God wants to accomplish and be where God wants you to be. It's just yielding to the flow of the Holy Spirit. It ends up being a beautiful thing. You know, the starlings, we see it from a distance and think, wow, what a beautiful thing they're doing. But it's got to be a beautiful experience for them too, to know they're in that flow and they're in that unity and they feel that connection and that unity between each other as they move. That's what God has for us. That's what God wanted for humanity. And Tabernacles is a return to the garden. It's also a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth, which is the perfection of what God was going for at the beginning of the earth. And you want to be a part of that because it's a beautiful thing. Tabernacles is the spiritual fulfillment of the literal feast that the Israelites kept during the Old Testament. And in the church age of which we are a part, the kingdom of God is within the heart of men. And so we don't keep literal feasts. We don't do the feast of Passover. We don't do the feast of Pentecost. What we do is we experienced what those feasts speak about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and good. we experience salvation. We don't have to kill a lamb. The lamb's already been slain right. for us. We experience the larger truth that that Old Testament feast points to. And with the Feast of Pentecost, we experience the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the first fruits. We yield our tongues to God, and God speaks through them. And we get filled by his presence, which is what the Old Testament feast points to in the New Testament. And a lot of people understand these things. But what they don't understand is that there's a third and final feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's the ingathering at the end of the harvest where all the other fruits come in with all the other increase comes in. And there's a big celebration. And then there's the last great day. It's an eighth day of a seven-day feast. And that last great day points to the new heavens and new earth. And that is what we're going for. And that's why tabernacles is a spiritual experience. It's a thing that we experience oneness and unity with God to the full extent. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of tabernacles in the Old Testament and New Testament. In John chapter 7, on the last greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, his eighth day, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, Rivers of living water will flow within them. And so this is the Feast of Tabernacles on the eighth day, the eighth day that symbolizes the new heavens and new earth. And back in the Old Testament, when Solomon dedicated the temple that he made for God, it was the Feast of Tabernacles. This Feast of Tabernacles run through whole Old and New Testament is what God is really getting at. It's oneness with God is becoming filled with this spirit until not I, but Christ lives within me. Yeah, yeah, right. It is the same spirit that indwelt Christ is now indwelling us. 
And it's a spiritual experience. It's a common thing that we all will experience. And therefore, we will come into a unity of the faith through a unity of experience. The unity of the Spirit will be because there's one Spirit, and we're all connected into one Spirit, and we'll all agree because we know one God. Right, exactly. You know, the Feast of Tabernacles is even mentioned prophetically. There's an Old Testament scripture that talks about during the reign of the Messiah in Jerusalem in the millennium, the people need to come and worship Him at the temple in Jerusalem, and if not, then their land that they came from would not receive rain. Exactly. That seems pretty extreme. Why is that? Because the whole point of the rain on earth during the millennium is for the coming together of God and his people, and he wants to bring the entire world into that. The whole point of tabernacles is God being with man, and when there is an earthly demonstration of that feast. It's the coming together and being together as God leads. That's exactly what happens at the end of Revelation. It says in some translations, and now the tabernacle of God is with man. Right. The place that God desires to live is in man. It's been that way since the beginning when he created Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted to live with them and dwell with them to the point where he would be in them. And now when we receive the fulfillment of that, as we get a foretaste of that right now, God is living in us as we're partnering with him and we're one with him. Everyone comes together just like those starlings and moves as one. Everyone who has Christ living in them comes together just like those starlings and moves as one. And so we connect the way that God leads us to connect as he leads us to fellowship and to be closely connected to another human that he flows through. And then together we work as a unit that's part of the bigger picture. And it's a foretaste of what's coming. God wants to flood the earth with his spirit and show the love that is coming and the unity that we can have with each other and with him. It's really true, and it's really an amazing thing God's doing in these latter days. You know, a lot of times I meet Christians, and they're drawn to the tabernacle experience, but they've really went through hell, and they're basically damaged people. And the damage that they've experienced before that point holds them back from entering into the fullness of tabernacles. And I understand that. I mean, I was pretty messed up too, after going through the ringer with my church and churches. But we have to take that and just set that aside and say, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but Lord, you called me to this, and so I'm just going to yield, and Mm -hmm. I don't care what happened before. I'm focused on what's before me, and that's you. And so don't let your past wreck your future. Become a starling of God, even if you've went through crap. Mostly when you're called of God, you've went through an extra heaping helping of it. Because the devil has singled you out for special bad treatment. I'm telling you this to encourage you if you've had a difficult life thus far. That's not God. God didn't want you to suffer. But you did. And it's unfortunate you did. But many other people did too. And to everyone, their suffering is the most extreme. Mm. What God is calling you to do is to open up your heart and your mind and your spirit to him so that he can come in and heal those parts that are difficult that he can remake you into his image and likeness so that you can live a productive and lovely life. He has good things in front of you. Yeah, he does. And he wants you to prosper. He wants you to feel loved. He wants you to feel whole. He wants to integrate you again into one person. But you have to want to. You can't allow a victim mentality Mm. to keep you in the past when God's trying to woo you to a wonderful future. Mm -hmm. The nice thing about Tabernacles is that it's personal spiritual connection to another person. 
And God can flow through that other person and he can help you get over things that you never thought you'd never be able to face by yourself. And this is the beauty of tabernacle because it's not ministry like you have in a church where you sit in a pew and then you look up at a pastor. No matter how loving and how wonderful that pastor is, there's only one of him and 500 of you. But when you have a personal spiritual connection with somebody else of the body of Christ that God connects you to, you're that person's only ministry. And you can receive Jesus in a very personalized way that you could never receive from a pastor, an elder, or Mm -hmm. some other person. And they have the anointing of God to understand you, which is critical because a lot of people feel that they're not understood and nobody could understand. But the truth is God understands perfectly. He understands more than you do. And when he comes through another person, they can understand in a perfection that is not possible for a normal person to have. That's right. And the importance of it being a connection that God ordains and a person that God leads you to is not just because they will have God's understanding of you, but that they will have God's love for you and God's acceptance of you. It's very hard to bear your soul and to share your weaknesses with people because there's a fear of judgment. There's a fear of criticism. There's a fear of, oh, you're going to be rejected now. But when you connect with the person that God wants to connect you to, there's just this unconditional love that flows from God to the person. And there's just the view of the person that God connects you to that is so different from the way you see anyone else because you see God in them and you see God flowing through them to you, but you also feel God flowing through you to them. And it's a beautiful thing and it's a trust and it's a reliance and it's a confidence that the nature of God is able to be manifest through someone toward you. And you really see God for who he is. You know how God feels about you. And you see the other person in the way that God sees them too. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's the way that God intends for us to know him in the deepest degree. We have our personal connections to God and the spirit of God within us. But the spiritual connection that he connects you to is going to be the one who really feels and knows God's love and heart for you. And it's God with skin on to manifest to you what God has for you. Exactly. You know, you only need to know the next starling. Yeah. You don't need to know every starling. Yeah. Because every starling is way too many. But the next one, two, three, four starlings next to you, you can have a very deep and meaningful relationship and you can flow as one. Mm -hmm. Now, the starling that is at the opposite end of the flock, you're still flowing with, but you don't know personally. Right. You're still a starling. You're still connected by God, but you don't know him. And this is where you will find your fellowship. Right now, even if you go to a big church, you feel somewhat disconnected Mm -hmm. because maybe you're new or maybe there's just a lot of people you don't really like to get around, big crowds, you're not the life of the party. What you really long for is a deep personal connection with another person and with God. And that's what Tabernacles is. It's an individual connection that's ordained by the Holy Spirit. And you move as God ask you to move. Now, what does that really mean? You'll be in church and you'll look at somebody and they'll connect with you and then you'll feel drawn to go talk to them. And as you talk to them, the wisdom of God flows from their lips and you just Mm. feel this connection in your spirit and you feel, wow, this is comfortable. This is just ordained. Yeah. And there's this element of predestination to it. Just like, well, this is so right. And you start sharing, and a very big indicator of a spiritual connection is extreme instantaneous trust. Yes. Mm -hmm. You just know that you can open up to that person, and you know you can tell them anything. 
And you do. Yeah. You're just watching yourself talk and you say, oh, my God. I can't believe I just told I you just that. I just can't believe I told you. And the other person saying, yeah, that, oh, okay. I understand that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. They don't judge you. No judgment. They're not shocked, you know, <laughs> and you just feel total acceptance. Yes. Yes. And it's really supernatural mm-hmm. because the person can't be like that. Yeah. You know, they're like, ooh, you're kind of perfect. It must be God in you. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's an anointing. Yes. It's a manifestation of God. It's basically the sons of God starting to flow forth from another person. And you are drawn to them in such a way that you cannot be separated. Yes. If you could stay at church all night and talk to them, you would. In fact, the usher has to tell you to go home. (laughs) And when he tells you to go home, you go to a Denny's restaurant, you continue talking. (laughs) And sleep is irrelevant because you're getting ministered to by Mm -hmm. God and they're getting Mm -hmm. ministered to. And there's this feeling of rightness. I'm trying to explain a profound spiritual experience that happens, that you really can't know what it is until you really experience it. But this is indicators of it. That's right. And you are feeling this, I believe, as you're listening and really desiring that and feeling like, yes, that's what I'm destined for. You know, it's in our DNA to connect like that. When Eve came to Adam, they knew. He said, this is a bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. In his spirit, he could recognize her spirit. And he knew that this was a person specifically for him. And she knew he was a person specifically for her. And there's a unity and a flow. It's interesting because with a spiritual connection, you have a relationship with that person that is unlike not only any relationship you have with someone else, but unlike any relationship that they have with someone else. Sometimes you will find yourself interacting with them and you just don't have issues that they have with other people or you don't have issues with them that you have with other people. There's something that flows out of a person that is a spiritual connection to you that doesn't always flow out of them to someone else. And there's something that flows out of you only to your spiritual connection that you don't minister to or share with to someone else in the same way. It's a very unique, specific, like you said, spiritual experience. It's not a fleshly, it's not just an emotional, it's not just a romantic thing. In fact, often it's not romantic at all. It's just a connection between people that God puts together for whatever reason. But it is a supernatural thing because it's the spirit in you connecting to the spirit in them. And the emotions may follow. And if God desires and leads you, the physical may follow. But it's all based on that spiritual magnetism that God has put between the two of you. And it's in our DNA to desire that, to know that, and to want that. Exactly. It's something that you see in stories all throughout history. It's something you see in all movies. People just innately know there's someone out there for me that I can connect with and we can become one. And it's something that we all desire because it's the picture of the starlings that God is creating. Exactly. What God is creating is a flock of starlings composed of spiritual connections. And what I found is that There's an element of risk in opening up your heart and your mind to somebody. And people are people, and whether or not God flows through them is really up to them. They can begin to flow in God, and then they can decide not to. Or they can begin to flow in God, and they can get off. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really no guarantees when it comes to dealing with human beings. But if the other person is really, truly yielding to God, they have your best interest in mind and heart. Another prominent feature of a spiritual connection, at least between a man and a woman, is that there's no sexual tension. 
I mean, that is like the furthest thing from your mind. Mm-hmm. I don't care if she's young and beautiful. I don't care if you're handsome as a movie star. That is not the issue. God isn't interested in that, so therefore you're not interested mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Now, if God wants you to be divine mates at some point, yes, you will be. But you're just a believer at that point, and you act towards each other as a very pure and holy thing. And God wants you to be affectionate to each other is still pure and holy. It is the most amazing thing that you've ever experienced in your life. Words like epic don't do yeah, it justice. that's right. It is everything that you ever wanted in love and more because God is in the center of it. Mm-hmm. And this is what God is about to do worldwide in the body of Christ. It's going to crash through all cultural barriers all societal taboos. Mm -hmm. Everything that we thought was a given will be challenged by God manifest in the flesh. Right. In a bigger way than even Jesus challenged the social customs and mores of his time. And I know that people don't get what I'm talking about. You will someday. And just know that it was coming and that it was foretold and that you are in it right now. You know, my heart is that as many come to know Jesus, as many yield to him and be saved from the coming wrath as possible. And we want to encourage you that wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever country you find yourself in, God is about to do something pretty amazing. And you have a front row seat if Mm -hmm. you want it. Tickets are being given out right now. And if you want to accept tabernacles, you have a seat assigned for you in the greatest revival in history. This puts everything that has come before it to shame. Every great awakening, even Acts chapter 2, pales in comparison to what God is about to do. It is going to shock the world. And the world is going to come to a screeching halt because Jesus showed up once again in the flesh. Mm. And that flesh is millions and billions of believers that are operating as sparrows in perfect unity in perfect alignment to his will. And people will love one another and they won't want to do evil because God in them does not want to do evil. Mm -hmm. That's what I would want and that's what I want for you. Yeah, that's right. And it begins with the personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you develop now. And then you allow that personal relationship with Christ to connect you to who he wants you to be connected to. Then you flow together as a whole picture. And there's safety. You know, a little tiny starling by itself is very, very vulnerable and is very easy prey for the enemy. But you put that whole group together as it's flying through the sky. I mean, even something in the air that was trying to capture it. There's a big group and they're moving in such a united way that It's not easy to pick one out and to cause one to become vulnerable. Their safety in numbers is the saying. And for something as small as a little starling, that's very, very important. And for us as one individual person on this earth right now, when there's such a force of evil coming against the things of God, we're very vulnerable. We're sitting ducks if we're by ourselves. We have to be with the group of starlings. And it's not necessarily a physical location. It is a spiritual place so that you can be where you You need to be right now doing what God wants you to do and connected with one or two where you are, but you're part of the bigger flock. And that bigger flock has the anointing and the protection and the safety of God because the Holy Spirit covers us. And as we move together, he accomplishes his purposes in a very beautiful, synchronous way. So in conclusion, become a starling of God. Nobody wants to be a sitting duck. You want to be flying with a bunch of starlings. You want to be beautiful, you know. 
You don't want to be waddling down here on earth. <laughs> God wants you to become a starling. He wants to move you by his unseen hand so that you will move with all these other starlings. And that's what God wants to illuminate in your spirit today and to encourage you that there's a wonderful thing about to happen and you have a front row seat for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the mere fact that you are listening to us and understanding what we're saying today means that God has called you to this, that you have a part to play. And whatever you're doing and whatever challenges you face, God is about to move on your life if you'll say yes to him. It's a great thing. This is better than sliced bread. Yeah. And sliced bread's pretty darn good, so you know it's something. Especially when it's fresh and it's sourdough. Mm. <laughs> Toasty. Yummy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the end of God's Love Club. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate you being diligent. If you've come this far, I'm going to give you a gold star. If you've done it more than 10 times, you get a platinum star. Mm-hmm. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for twins, the Righteous Reverend. How are you? Well, we've come to one of my favorite parts of the sermon today. It's called the announcements. And I want to tell you that we have something very special in store for you this October. We are going to do the Righteous Reverend's Haunted House. I know, I know, it's groundbreaking. But just go with me for a moment. I was looking online last year and I noticed how many haunted houses there were advertising for the heathen. And I said, this cannot stand. I mean, in the Bible, you've got terrifying things. And so why not have your own haunted house with a Christian theme? And so I just ruminated on it in my mind and I've come up with the seven rooms of Armageddon. And it's our own haunted house that will scare you straight by the time that you get out of it. The first room is a sumptuous room all filled with good things to eat and comfortable chairs. We just lull you into that sense of comfort. And then you go to the second room, which is the red horse and it's war. You get to experience what it's gonna be like to have the whole world go into a state of panic. And then the third room is the pale horse room, we call it. And you get to experience the disease and death and how that's gonna be, all those dead bodies laying everywhere. Then you're ushered into death. Everything's dead. It just gives you the heebie-jeebies. And then, oh boy, you're going to love this. We're going to go into Wormwood. And you get the experience in 3D reality how it's going to be for this big rock to hit the earth and disintegrate everything within a hundred miles. It's wonderful. It's technology at its best for God. And then we come down to the seven last plagues. This is kind of like a conglomerate of all the worst things in the Bible put into one room. I tell you, people come out of that room white as a ghost. And then the last room, I tell you, this is the, how do they say that? Pizza of resistance or something like that. You come into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. We took this soundproof room. You can't hear anything. You can't even hear your next neighbor. And you get the experience being removed from the presence of God forever. 
I tell you, we have outdone ourselves. I'm so proud of our staff. They have really, really did evil on a whole nother level. If you're not scared straight, by the time you get out of our haunted house, we'll give you your money back. This has been a righteous moment with the righteous reverend. Be blessed. Wow, that was profound, don't you think? It was. It was. <laughs> profound? Yeah. You know, the righteous reverend, he has a, a different take on things. Very, very much so, yes. Yeah. But we appreciate you being here. We love you lots. You have a great next seven days. We pray that God blesses you and gives you the desires of your heart. Yeah, yes, we do. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. This is a good time to be alive, and we're Mm -hmm. glad that you're with us. You have a great week. We'll see you next time on God's Love Club. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, No, no, Gloria. The, The bigger ones. Yeah, three or four should be okay, you know, in case the people faint, the ushers can carry them out. I think that would be adequate. Let's get a really big one, but nah, I think it'll be okay. We'll just wing it, you know. It's the first time we've done it.